and I don't know how this exists, but you know, music usually reflects the times, but right now it doesn't reflect the times, in my opinion, at, at all. You know. Well, I would take it different. I would say the times have no reflection. Okay. All right. Well, there's nothing to reflect. Wow, you don't think so? You don't think that these are some? We're like in the crazy new gilded age, like of just extreme wealth, and and people are just increasingly worthless. And you would think that the music would reflect some sort of message of dissent. I mean, during the Clinton administration, when there's more money and more explosion of the economy than there had been in years. You still had public enemy and rage against the machine and something, even if they were viewed as sort of, you know, corporate entities releasing music and, you know, but there was something there. Was there. Something. There's nothing. And here's what it was. Go ahead. It, 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 in many ways, it was a form of cosmetic consciousness. Oh, now, yeah. Now okay. let, me, let me explore that. It was not the same kind of consciousness that came in the 60s, mm -mm. you know, when I'm black and I'm proud. Uh, or, 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 or Curtis Mayfield, we're a winner. Yeah, you know, slide. Don't call me nigger, whitey. Don't call me whitey, nigger. Yeah. That was that was out of a real syndrome. Right. Con, con, what, what, and, and, and let me as best I, as I can describe. Yeah. Cosmetic consciousness. There's the illusion of a movement, right. but it's more motion than movement. Right. Because I I I I flip it and ask you this: Name me one political movement. Out of, out of the hip hop generation, none, none. You can name me political movements out of civil rights, yeah, black no, power, none. okay, yeah. peace and freedom movement for the young whites. Where's the political movement? No, none. I so mean, if, just... if there's no movement, then how do you make the distinction between motion and movement? Yeah. And that's what I mean by the cosmetic consciousness. Yeah. So you could have a public enemy, but what did it produce? None. Other than feel good, and I dig that. Fight the power was a motherfucker, but, but hold it. I, and, and Melody and I talked about. This is my actually my fifth wife. Let me let you know. But no, no, no. I wanted to finish this point. Yeah. Just as an illustration. Right. Um, fight the power. Great song. Yeah. Revved you up. But when there was a problem with uh, what's the, what's the kid out of public enemy? Jury. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Griff. 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 Professor Griff. What the fuck did they do when the power came? Yeah. They got rid of Griff. That's not fighting the power. That's acquiescing. <laughs> that's, that's saying shalom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shalom. Shalom. <laughs> so, so you see, there's a dichotomy. Yeah. yeah. Well, but where, where does that start? When does that period start? The dichotomy of, you know, it's, it's almost like a capitulate. Like, they capitulate. Yeah. You know, when does that start? Is it, a, is it a product of, you know, the, the money at stake and the, and the you know, because all I had noticed mm -hmm. is that music went from having a message and there was, there was a grit and there, you know, listen, to me it started with the Harlem Renaissance. Mm -hmm. There was, you know, you, you have a period in time. Honestly, when I mention that, most of the time I, I, I get like a dead <laughs> stare. Yeah. If I say Harlem Renaissance to anybody, it's like, oh, yeah. You know, but, you know, the deep part when you do it, and that happens over black people. It's like, no, that ooh. you know what? Honestly, yeah, so we talk through tacitly. Yeah, that's what you're saying. Black people thing. don't know the Harlem you know, Renaissance. You're right. No one knows, you know, the history, and then, but then you get to it. Like, listen, I saw Do the Right Thing, and when Radio Rahim has that boombox, and I'm sitting there in the theater, and I, I, fe I fell out because that not only does that track is it 
for me, you know, I know the guys in Public Enemy, and I know how they made their records, and just from a technical standpoint, there was no sequencing, they didn't quantize. That was like the, the Basie band with samplers. They just got the track, they did it live, and like, it's just brilliant. Yeah. Oh, I know. But I know. there is the thing there where it's like, sure, Professor Griff comes out and says some shit Jew, about jewelry. jewelry. See, Jew, jewelry. jewelry. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, the word for jewelry and jeweler in German is schmuck. Did you know that? <laughs> I, didn't know. I just learned yeah. that on my trip to Germany. Oh, that was interesting. I just hit this chair and now I'm like a dwarf on... Uh, yeah, this is uh, very interesting. Adam Dorf. Adam Dorf. <laughs> yeah, Dorf on interviews. Um, but yeah, but okay, so let's get a little more serious. But I just, I don't understand, in, in not just in music, but in black, black music, there is no, it's, there's nothing. It's, it's so gone. And I didn't, even, you know, this is the beauty of no, the show. Think, yeah, I right. wouldn't know that we would even touch on this, but... It's kind of unbelievable. We have the most turbulent, fucked up political times, and we have Chris Brown. But you also have this, this thing <laughs> I mean, called yeah. political Novocaine. Yeah. Okay? It's like they say, you bleed, but you don't feel it. Right. There, whenever, there's, whenever there's this, that means there's a time, and timing is perfect for disruption. Look, it, it, it like goes through these stages, I mean, for me. You had political disobedience. You had political disruption. Mm -hmm. Now you have political access to all the information in the world. And you can yeah. press a button yeah. and information is dispersed around the world. Yeah. So I just think it's not a matter of the, the, the time not being right. There hasn't been a right incident. Now, a lot of people looked at... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it has been yeah. 10 days ago or what is it, yeah. two weeks ago. That's not, that's not the right incident. That's not the no. right incident. Because if, if, it, if it doesn't grow, if an incident doesn't matriculate to a movement, then it's an, it's an isolated incident. No. Now, you can have a thing where uh, you have a series of isolated incidents that equal a movement, no. but an isolated incident. The other thing you have to be careful of, if it's the kind of incident that happens over and over, people are anesthetized to it. No. As much word as you had in Ferguson... Well, I'll show you fucking Trayvon Martin. Yeah. I'll show you Emmett Till. Yeah. Okay, it, it's got to be it's got to be tied to a consciousness that's able to mold it and form it into a movement. Right. And right now, you don't have that because first of all, you don't have an organization no. that can pull it. There's and nothing. and entertainment has become a substitute for leadership. See, it all starts with leadership. I mean, you know, you, when you talk about, you know, like you say, there's nothing. Well, there's nothing because there's no leadership. Right. You know, and we got this, what I call the illusion of inclusion. There's nothing happening. It's not, look, uh, uh, what was that, Walt? What was the, what was the movement that the young white kids had formed a couple of years ago? Uh, <laughs> Boys, uh, new kids on the block. <laughs> no, no, no. no, no. I, no I am not aware of <laughs> any movement. No, 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 no. They had the thing, uh, you sitting in. Oh, Occupy Walk. Occupy, Occupy Walk. Occupy, Occupy, now, yeah. I, I, there was a, there's a young sister, Pakistani sister that worked uh, at the radio station I was at, her name is Nether. And um, she was very much a great journalist. Mm. And she was very, oh, you know, Mr. calls me Mr. M. Mr. M, tell you, man, this, 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 this. And I said, you know what? I'll see if this thing is real. Yeah. When, when those kids are ready to shed blood. Yeah. Because one thing that was evident in all movements is not sitting down, it's standing up to the power. Yeah. And if you're not ready to shed blood, and no blood was shed. 
And when the motherfucker said, get out of the park, the motherfuckers got up and got out of the park. Because nobody stood ground. So, so you, you really don't have a commitment to a movement. It's almost like yeah, that's, that's, this that's is like a reality show. Yeah. You got a reality show movement. Well, we have a reality show culture. Yeah. So it's almost like we've been trained or manipulated. I'm, I don't get into conspiracy, but I'm just saying as a culture, we stare at gadgets and we want our lattes. Yeah. And, we, you know, we, it's not a, I mean, I think when we look at the world right now and you see what's going on and, you know, in Syria and Iraq and the Middle East in general and the kind of violence, you know, that's, you know, we're not, we're not even we you know nothing about us is that it's indifference indifference. we look at the destruction of human life like it's a video game you know uh, uh, you see a hundred thousand people were killed in Iraq but what do we emphasize man we lost four thousand soldiers right see I mean everything is about how you advance oneself and, and, and how you insert oneself into an, in, into an equation. Right. And everything is self-centered, man. Yeah. It used to be people, now you have countries, now you have regions. Yeah. Self-centered. Yeah. So no matter, and, and unfortunately, this is the most dumbed-down nation in the world because yeah. it's one of the most powerful. It's not the powerful. Right. The most powerful nation in the world is China. Yeah. But right now... Because they, they're, they're basically our no, they American sit back, Express. Yeah, they, they sit them. back and watch yeah. what we're doing. They don't have, where, where's their bases all around the world? They don't have to. They don't, yeah. All they do is, is, is amass resources and uh, hack technology, yeah. you know. Look, look at this thing, man. Adam, in a minute, well, we're doing it now, but I mean, in a, in a minute, as a society, we're going to be walking around with glasses that are computers. Yeah. Now, that's scary to me. And it's so funny because Ross on Roland Kirk used to say that shit on his records, you're gonna make love to a computer. You're yeah. gonna, yeah. and it's yeah. like, uh-huh. he's right. Well, I have, one now. I have one now. I have one now. I got one now that I go to in the cloud. Okay. Yeah. 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 Woody, I mean, Woody, uh, Woody Allen was telling you about that. Oh, right, right, right. The orgasm. Yeah, yeah, man. And, uh, and uh, yeah. not bananas and um, sleepers. Sleepers. Yeah. 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 yeah, I mean, it's really true. And, and it's funny, you just said that we, you know, we value life. We value life poorly. The, the Russians value, you know, it's like each culture has its own bent on just like they don't give a shit, yeah. basically. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> so how does that lead us? to Coltrane. Coltrane. doesn't it lead us to Coltrane? Well, you know what? I want to bring up, I, I love the way we met because the way we met <laughs> the first time, you didn't know that you met me, but I got to meet you knowing who you were right. in such an unbelievable... And I remember, you know, so... so re- re- it, re- refresh me. Oh, I will. <laughs> um, no, we, we recently, like, met for real at right. this Luther Vandross right. Uh, right. dedication on the Hollywood Walk of Fame where we got to hang out with our good right. friends Clyde Davis right. and Nile Rodgers. Right, right. Um, <laughs> but um, I met you, I think, in 1987, wow. 88 at Quad Studios. Wow. Right. Yeah. And and I was working upstairs with Marcus Miller on a record, uh, the follow up single to "The Butt" by, by yeah, 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 that he had done, yeah, yeah, yeah right. for um for EU, right. and and it was a song called uh, "Come Down to the Go Go," and you were downstairs at Quad Studios on the sixth floor in Studio wow. B with Sly Stone, and someone <laughs> had caught wind of the fact that either you guys were downstairs or Marcus was uh-huh. upstairs, and and it. Uh, 
effectively Sly was like, I want to meet Marcus. Right, right. Or really what I think. Yeah, really yeah, wants Marcus right, wants right, to meet right, Sly. Right. So I'm sitting there and Marcus goes to me. You know, I was, I was, let me, 16 or 17. I, I was just like his intern. Yeah, right. Go get my dry cleaning. And he goes, we're going to go downstairs. We're going to meet Sly. And I said, no, we're not. I said, I don't want to, that's an idol. I don't want to meet, you know, I, you know, no way. And he goes, you're coming. He's like, he's never like that. You know, Marcus, right. it's not like he doesn't. So we go downstairs and I'm just like, you know, I'm 6'2 and weigh 150 pounds. I'm like, you know, like, hi, Mr. Stone. You know, like I'm standing there and I'm just like, I'm going to go in the control room. And you were in there and I, and I want, I don't remember your engineer's name, but it was just the two of you. And the track was so banging and so amazing and just i just i just remember walking into this vibe of like i don't know what's going on in here but this is like actual shit like you know upstairs is cute down here there's like there's dna and genetics and this is real and i just it really it's funny i went home that night and i told my old man i met i think his name is entume and he was working with sly stone and my old man just was like what did it sound like? And I said, it was it was just a motherfucker. But then I did say prophetically, I said, and I don't know if anyone will ever hear it. Yeah. And I knew I was right. right. I was like, it was so amazing. <laughs> the earth wasn't ready. Right, right. Yeah. Right. But I just remember, I, you know, I came in and we went upstairs and Marcus and I, I honestly, we just sat there for a minute. And he, I mean, he's not a, he doesn't give it up. Yeah. He's very yeah. close to the vest. Yeah. He was like, man, Sly. Like, I remember I walked into the studio and Sly had all these bones and right. incense and you know right. and he just looked at me and I was like okay that was enough I met him <laughs> yeah. I left you know it was right. like but you know fast forward like uh I don't know 27 years or whatever it is we're yeah. hanging at the Luther thing yeah. and I remember you just telling me how like just amazing that experience was but also how challenging and sure. you know uh it was just a fun way to meet somebody right. and say like hey I met you and you don't realize that I met you kind right, of thing. right 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 but um, but let let's talk about since that didn't segue as much as I wanted it to. Let's I want to talk about the period in your life where you knew you knew you were going to start working with Miles, and 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 what kind of like the sort of six months or year that before that leads to that, how he becomes aware of you, mm. and what I mean, you don't strike me as a guy. I would be like, how many, you know, like. Oh, you know, Ralph Cramden, you know, <laughs> you know, I would be pretty nervous, but what, what was that like to, to, you know, get in that sphere and, you know? Well, it, 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 it was, <laughs> wow, this is a very interesting question, what was it like <laughs> leading up to? Um, first of all, you have to be cognizant of the fact that that's the job to have. That's, oh, absolutely. As, as, as there's no... You know, and then after that, no, there's no after. There's no, there's no hereafter. You know, <laughs> like you're sitting down in an interview at IBM. So, Mr. Miles, the Miles Davis experience. Yeah, right. yeah, no. So, it was like this. Um, you know, I'm in New York. You know, one of my, one of my best friends, this guy is Leon uh, in Dubu Chancellor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, he, he I met him. Yeah, yeah he and great. I kind of came up musically together. Um, and of course, we'd have this ongoing joke, like every other musician, yeah. every other jazz musician in the world, you know, playing, like maybe he'd call me sometime, yo, my yeah. Yeah. So we played a Miles voice thing. Yeah. So 
I get to New York, and I'm laying up one day. By this time, I had pretty much played with everybody. Really? Uh, oh, yeah, I played. Oh, okay. Matter of fact, the first thing I did, I, I, okay, let me give you the best. Ethel Merman, did you play with everybody? <laughs> <No. laughs> Elias Minnelli, no, no. I hadn't played with everybody. Uh, I came to New York. Uh, my first gig was with a... Uh, uh, then dig this. It's actually, now let me see. Yeah, this this is very interesting. While I was in LA, I read, you know, everybody has a list. The list I wanted of, of people I wanted to play with. First was McCoy Tyner. Yeah. Second was Freddie Hubbard. Wow. Third was Miles Davis. Wow. Now in my mother's grave, this is a true story. I arrived in, in Newark because I actually came to New Jersey to work on... Uh, the Ken Gibson campaign. It was the first black mayor, right? Uh, uh, in, in, which was the first black mayor in the East Coast. So I'm working on that campaign. My drums haven't even been sent here yet. Yeah. I get a call, friend of mine. He says, uh, "I just talked to McCoy Tyner. He wants to use you on his uh, his, uh, his album." Wow. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. Check one. <laughs> yeah. I go do the album. Funny story behind the album. Any, any musician that tells you that there's not this point that they get to where, you know what, you got a little ego, okay? Mm, yeah. And you think it's in check, but it's not. No. It's not. You know, I call it, in boxing they call it pissing vinegar. Yeah. So I was pissing a little vinegar, you know? Yeah. That means, yeah. So <laughs> McCoy calls a rehearsal before the session. Yeah, shit, yeah. yeah. Uh, Billy Hart on drums, Duvalier. Buster Williams on bass, you know, McCoy, and Herbie Lewis on drums. Yeah. And I forgot who the saxophone player was. Ted, Ted Dunbar on guitar. These motherfuckers, man. Man. Since we're doing a real interview, I talk, yeah, yeah. I talk very regular. Yeah. Uh, these motherfuckers kick off a tempo. <laughs> Yeah. I'm, I'm here, you know, because my, my influence was Elvin, so I'm playing all yeah. this shit on the hand drum, and the cats are like, oh, shit, yeah. yeah. Five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Ten minutes. Yeah. Eleven ah, minutes. Ah, Eleven minutes and 18 wait, seconds. Wait, I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A-A-B-A. -A. Man, it must have went on for about 15 minutes. Yeah. And I'm telling you, man. I got so nervous because for the first time in my life, yeah. I started tightening up. Yeah. And I was into, if these mugs go any further, I'm done. Yeah. yeah. D-U-N, done. Because yeah. I could, I, You're like I, tapping I, out. I gave it, I gave it a whole, and fortunately McCoy said, cut. Ah. I was like, so what I did, okay, whatever ego I had, that one session, that one rehearsal, I asked, yeah. I asked Jabali, could I go to his house? Because he, he lived in Teaneck. The Sessions was in, uh, in Manhattan. I said, man, can I stay, stay with you tonight? I went in his basement, set my drums up, put a blanket over him. Right. So, you know, I wouldn't wake anybody up. Yeah. I practiced all night. I didn't sleep. Wow. I knew I had to do that to get through that session. Wow. And uh, that's the story of my first session with, with McCoy. Yeah. But it was the best thing that could ever have happened to me, you know. And 
So it's kind of amazing. And all musicians have that moment. Yeah, Mine man. wasn't playing. Mine was with Eddie Harris ah. yelling at me at the Mon at the Montreux. I played with Eddie um, at Montreux. I sat in because I was playing with somebody mm -hmm. else, and he was there, and he was like, "You're gonna you sit in, you play. I want to hear what you got." And we played, and I, I really thought I did something cool. <laughs> and afterwards, in, in a day glow orange Adidas sweatsuit from an era about 12 years prior, <laughs> we walked around Lake Geneva, and for about 45 minutes, he told me how I didn't know anything. And he was right. I mean, it was yeah. Eddie Harris. No, I mean, no, come on now. totally right. And, and I, you know... I didn't stay up all night practicing, <laughs> but, but my, my reaction was uh, similar in that, you know, yeah. okay, I don't know shit. It's, 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 know? it's, it's, it's a moment of revelation. Yeah. It's you know? freeing in a lot and of yeah, ways. Yeah, and I was already up there, yeah. but I wasn't up there. My, yeah. I, 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 you know, I, I, you were up there. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but you so, were not up there. So the next call I get yeah. is uh, Freddie Hubbard. Wow. Freddie Hubbard and, uh, and Joe Henderson was the saxophone. Wow. Yeah. Lenny Who was Lenny, Lenny I was going to say Lenny's, Lenny's in the band. So we were at the Village Vanguard. Miles comes in. I never see him. Right. You know that side by by the in, in the corner yeah. by the drums. I'm yeah. I'm set up over there. Uh, never says anything to me. I like I said I didn't even know he was there. Yeah. So he got up and left everybody said, "Man, Miles was here." You know, so the immediate thing, who was he checking? Yeah. You know, because, you know, he doesn't come out. Yeah. So I'm not even thinking, you know, he goes, maybe he came to hear Freddie. Yeah. Later on, I found out he hated Freddie, but he, <laughs> he loved Lee Morgan. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. about two weeks later, the phone rings. Hey, smiles. Uh -huh. Yeah. Click. yeah. I, don't know. yeah, I yeah. thought it was in Dougal, because, you know, we just, I hung up, man, about, wow, shit, a few seconds later, uh, this is me, motherfucker. Yeah. And I said, oh, oh shit. He said, um, <laughs> that must have happened. By the way, uh, an aside, how many times do you think that happened to him? Like oh, almost yeah. every time he made a phone yeah, call, yeah, it's yeah, almost right. like a Saturday Night Live. I mean, every, every jazz musician, that was the one call you was. Yeah. And, we, and you always knew it was a joke. Yeah. But it really happened. Signature. Yeah. He called my old man once, and my old man literally was like, Yeah, sure, hold on. I'm on the other line with Winston Churchill. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you know, he's just like, You know, it's yeah, not cool. you. It's not you. Yeah. yeah. So, so he called, he said, um, He said, What are you doing for the next few months? I said, I said, What do you want me to do? Yeah. You know, like, yeah, 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 yeah. He, said, uh, he said, I want you in my band. I said, yeah, <laughs> and uh, ego got a little bigger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and uh, we were we were in Europe for a few months. That the oh first wow, tour, 1971 tour. In that band was Keith Jarrett, oh, Gary Bartz, Michael Henderson. Yeah, and guess who who joined on drums? In Dugu. Oh wow! So our first our yeah. two buddies joined Miles at the same time. Oh, that's but all, great. All, the only thing was, and Dugu couldn't handle it. And, that, yeah. and not, not musically. No, not no, maybe musically. the vibe and the... See, Miles' thing, what a lot of people don't understand, and I, and I, and I picked up so much of this, because yeah. there's so much of him, he and I, that were alike. Like, right. I, I think you were going into, before you, you were getting ready to ask me a question, what, what that feeling was. You did I felt it. I belonged there. Right, 
Okay. I didn't go there with nervousness. Yeah. And that's why in the book, uh, I mean, there's so many books on Miles. Fucking yeah. roadies wrote books. Yeah, I know. Uh, but the best one, the most accurate, was the one that Quincy Troop. Right. Uh, and Quincy wrote, Miles loved him too, mate, like a son. He said, Miles yeah. said he loved him like a son. Yeah, we would talk. Uh, you know, we both, I'm an insomniac. So is he. Me too. So, <laughs> yeah. well, well, I'm familiar with that right. work, yeah. So, so we got to the point where we would talk about all these musical, and this is what, these are the lessons I learned, were the Zen lessons, you know, like, you know, less is more. Yeah. Yeah, like, you know, I, I, was, I was a great complainer about, I'm a stickler for rehearsal. Yeah. So he came, stop bugging me about rehearsing. Yeah. I said, man, we gotta rehearse. He said, no. He said, I pay you to rehearse every night on stage. Right. I said, what the fuck do you think I'm paying you for? Yeah. So that took me a minute to figure out. He said, I don't want it to rehearse, because then the spontaneity gets lost. Yeah, yeah, of course. And he said, stop playing what you know. Play yeah. what you don't know. Right. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> wait, wait. Oh, Zen master. Wait, wait. Yeah. What the now, fuck does that mean? You, how old are you at this point? I'm 22. Something right, like so that. play what you don't play know. What you it's don't like you know. might as well speak Mandarin to you. I, I mean, mean that's wait, like... yeah, but you, but you figure these things out. You figure these things out. Oh, thank you. Mm. You figure these things out. Sure. Um, silence the sound. Yeah. Leave some space. Right. Let it go by. Don't play everything you hear. Mm. You know, and 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 you learn to incorporate these things in your in your musical vocabulary, but also in your musical discipline. Yeah. You know, and because I, you know, look, somebody told him. I'm yeah. sure the lessons he learned with Bird. I mean, he used to tell me, Charlie Parker, when he, Miles was 18 when he was with Bird, and he used to tell me, man, he said I wanted to quit every night. Yeah. This man's playing so much shit. What am I doing up here? No. Then after a while, you start, you start to learn your own cliches, yeah. and then you and you learn how to make yourself fit. But um, it was just many, many great lessons, man. And uh, the point I was making about Ndugu, Ndugu was 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 an, was an incredibly gifted uh, uh, musician. But Miles told me one thing. He said, he said playing. He said, everybody can play. You, you, anybody who studies an instrument law, you can play. Right. He said, it's 20% playing. He said, but it's 80% attitude. Right. Yeah. 80%. He says, as I'm looking at him, he said, it's just like, say, take a singer. Why is it that one singer can sing a note, another singer comes and sings the same note, and it runs off of your body? Right. That's the attitude you're feeling. Right. So, you know, it was always about with me finding the attitude. I, I turned it into call. I call it finding the difference in the familiar. Everybody right. can play. Yeah. What makes your shit different? Right. What I, it's funny, you know, when you when you're that age and you learn to play. I had a like a moment with Marcus once, you know, where he was just like, "You sound great. You sound just like me. That's not going to do it." Oh. You know, it, it it was like, you know, basically the same thing of like you you have the ability. And you, you have everything that you need right there. You, there's just there's no you there, you know. Yeah. You know he 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 was he said he was so funny. He was like, if there was a contest to sound like me, and at the time I didn't think this was so egomaniacal, but now it kind of sounds that way. He said if there was a Marcus Miller sound alike contest, you know, I would come in third. He was like, you would people might you know, and I get that. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like yeah. you just have to. Yeah, it takes a long time. I, it takes forever. 
Tell him about the yeah. Oscar Brown. What I mean. Oh, anything with Oscar Brown. Oh. I love Oscar Listen, Brown. My old man worked like with what, Oscar Brown. What preceded, you know, yeah. you you joining Miles, you know, because now you just this, this, you know, character. Melody t- with the assist. Yeah. 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 Um, that's a great point. I'm glad <laughs> I told you too many stories. <laughs> no, that's, that's great. I'm glad you brought that up. I w- I played in a dance troupe, and um. I was pretty good. There was a guy named Sigidi who I knew I was better than. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you know. Yeah. Oscar Brown Jr. came to town in L.A. Oh, love him. Had um, auditions for, for, for percussion. I was so fucking scared. Really? True. Yeah. I said, man, I'm not going down there. There's no way I could get the gig. Wow. My friend, who I knew I played circles around, yeah. Sigidi, went down there. Not only did he go down there, yeah. he called me, Tunes, I'm working with Oscar Brown Jr. I'm, it, it was the most fake, oh, congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. I hung that phone up, and I swear to you, yeah. sitting right here at this table, I said to myself, I will never ever do that again. Yeah. If I go down <clears throat> and I'm laughed out of the joint. Yeah. And that's what gave me the heart with the Miles thing. Really? After the Oscar Brown thing was the first time. Even after playing with Freddie and, and McCoy? I hadn't played with them yet. Oh, okay. So this was this just This is the like... first... I mean, I first of all, I was a fan. Oscar right. Brown is a genius to me. Love Oscar you know, Brown. I, I, I would have been more listening to the poems and, and the plays. Yeah. But I didn't, I didn't have any confidence. Right. I didn't have any confidence. And then to see a guy who you knew you played better than, but he had what? Confidence. Yeah, he just, yeah. Attitude. Attitude. Well, there, there you go. There it is. That's, yeah. Okay. That's so after that, circle on that, shit, I played for chicken bones, man. Yeah. Wouldn't matter. <laughs> I, is it a chicken bone contest? I'm there. Yeah. yeah. I'm there. Not the best. Yeah. 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 That's hysterical. Did you ever get to work with Oscar Brown? Never. Wow. I mean, oh. You know, it's one of the few, few things in my life that I lament. Yeah, because he was so good. It's, 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 he is so good. Yeah. I hate saying was, but yeah. Wow, holy shit! Thank you for that embarrassing. Uh, no, 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 I'm teasing. I'm because teasing. the humanity of yeah, it, right? Yeah, yeah. Because well, even if somebody that's been audacious as you, was, you know, on the track and, and, and doing what but you, you know, do, Marcus, you know how Marcus and I met. No, I don't. Marcus, I used to call him for sessions. Marcus played in a lot of my sessions. Okay. And matter of fact, we were talking about that yeah. at the th- at Luther's thing. Yeah. And um, and I asked him, I said, well, what drew you to me? Because he, we were talking a lot. He said, man, he said, because you always saw ahead. Yeah. He said, you, you turned me on to Prince early on. Yeah. He said, because a lot of guys, you know. So you kind of wrote him wrote, off. Yeah. Yeah. I said, no, no this cat. This cat is bringing something yeah, up. Yeah. But, I mean, that that just was always part of it, too, too with me. I, I was always open to whatever was coming, you know. Yeah. You know, or whatever I thought was coming. You know, it's funny. A lot of musicians aren't. No, it's any in the last like at least for me. I, I you know when I saw the studio like the session scene and the sort of way the records were getting made, just I saw it going like this. You know, vanishing. I I, I realized that I didn't. You know, some of the most annoying people to make music with were musicians. Yeah, <laughs> and they were actually causing some of the breakdown and you know yeah. the studio scene and just and the jazz guys like it, it was 
liberating to start using technology and not have to deal with guys. Well, it's, they it's, got in their own way a lot of. They the got time. in their own way, and what had happened? <laughs> you got to have courage to move ahead. People mm-hmm. became comfortable in what worked, yeah. and what worked became the syndrome. Yeah. Not what's over here. Yeah. No, not not pressing the boundaries, and they didn't deal with the what what what's referred to as the technical exhaustion. Mm. You know, you're not going to play any more drums than Elvin and Tony no. and and Roy Haynes and or more horn than Sonny and Bird and and, and Train. Yeah. And what are you going to do? You only it, it it puts you in a posture of repetition that has no end. Right. How do you step outside that 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 safety zone? People yeah. don't like to skydive, man. No, they don't like that, to skydive. They don't like to do that for a and, reason. And to me, the whole thing in, in art is to skydive. Yeah. Once you stop skydiving, yeah, then you're comfortable. It's interesting. You said we had a guest on the same show named Bobby Previtt. He's a drummer and he's he's a downtown guy, brilliant, brilliant musician, and he's like, listen, you know, you should you. Basically, his analogy was. You know, every once in a while, you got to feel like you're on a lifeboat in the Pacific. Yeah. You, you, you can't always be, you know, the, the audience can't always feel comfortable. There needs to be a challenge in order for things to actually change. And it's the same sort That's of That's why sunrise was so important. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Nobody talks about sunrise. Ever. Sunrise was... was space was, is the place. Yeah, space yeah. is the place. Uh, um I got into Sunrise real early, you know, and... Um, Did you ever play in, no, you know, because they were all, you I know, Billy? Yeah, I never played with Sunrise. Right. Uh, probably best I did not. I, you know what? I, I may not have left. Say, yeah, you may <laughs> I, not have I, left. I may not have left. Or yeah. you may not have dug it. And you, know, you may have just... No, you know, no, I wouldn't have left. Really? There's too much freedom. Yeah. In I a good so. way. Yeah. Uh, we got to go on YouTube and I'll put up some Sunrise pieces for you. Oh, I know you into it, but I want yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. The first stuff. time I met Sunra, yeah, the little caveat. I'm with the Imamu Baraka. We running out? No, 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 oh. no. We're perfect. Man. Oh, I thought you were saying. No, no I always. I'm check sick it. of this motherfucker. Aren't <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. finished? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, great Sunra stories. Yeah. My, you know, note to self, edit point. Yeah. No, go, no, 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 no. I want to hear. It. I don't want to digress. Okay. Yeah. So look, I'm there with Imamu Baraka. He was somewhere I was playing in Newark at, a, at, a, at an elementary school. So we sitting in there. Of course, I'd heard the records. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Sun Ra. So Sun Ra, they come. There's this famous thing that they do when they come off the uh, off the stage and they go in the audience. So I'm sitting next to Baraka, right? So all these horn players are like, oh, and they're playing yeah. out, out, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah. and they're all around you. And, and, and like, you actually are transformed. You, I don't know where you go, but you go to this other place. And they fin- and they and it's sad and it goes on and on and they walk back and they go back up on stage. So after the show, me and me and Baraka go to the dressing room. He said, I want you to meet Sonny. I said, okay. So we go in the back. So Sunrise looks at me, you know, I get introduced, and he looks at me, he said, Why is it wrong to have crosses in the cemetery? Okay, this is my college entrance exam. I'm not going to school. Yeah. I, uh, Sonny, would you tell me? Yeah. He said, I mean, and, and he's like, he's not joking. He's like, because crosses represent a plus. When you die, it should be a minus. You're no longer here. 
And that's how it started. And we just went all night talking like that. Wow. But man, sunrise, sunrise. Wow. And and he, and he was a genius. That was a skydiver. No, it was totally yeah, a genius. Skydiver. But that does remind me of a story that uh, so my dad worked with Youssef Latif like right. for like fifteen years, and and there was this thing in Detroit where um, sort of the opposite of that, there was a non-talking thing. Uh-huh. Guys just wouldn't talk. He there was like these two or three. So there was this one guy, and he went like you know three years without saying anything. You know, he'd just be on. The, mm-hmm. You know, uh-huh. my my axe does the talking or whatever. And then it got to a point where when he finally said something, it was like, so like, it was like pizza makes one ponder life's existence. And, then, and, and, then, and it was like, and the, you know, even Yousef was like, that's, that's it? After three years? Like, really? Yeah. But yeah. 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 So, you, so you follow with one of my favorite drummers, Roy Brooks. Oh, yeah. Oh, Roy Brooks was out too. Yeah. Yes, he was. Yeah. That record, you know that record, The Free Slave? Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. man. Yeah. That's really Brooks, great shit. Barry Harris. Yeah. 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 But, them, you know, Yousef, man, great. Oh, yeah. Vibrations, man. Yeah. Vibrations in the music. No, that's how we met. He told me, me, you know, who father was. I said, I knew he knew. (laughs) You know, if I don't know, you know. (laughs) Did you, you listen to him in Philly, right? Did you hear him on the radio? You would, yeah, that's that's cool. I like, you know, because I, obviously, I wasn't born yet. I never heard him on the radio. No, man, that was was the shit. I heard him on the radio. Then I started looking at the albums. So, man, some motherfuckers producing this shit, too. Yeah. Good man, yeah. That's all we listen to in the house is Joe Boone. Yeah, that's oh, when that's I heard cool. Train and all that stuff. You know, it, it's funny. I, I was having this conversation the other day uh, with some gospel cats that 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 transitioned into contemporary popular music, right. and it's this same sacrilegious overtone in a jazz house. If you're listening to, you know. You know, contemporary music, R&B, and shit that's fucked up. Right. Get that off. And the same as in a gospel house, you know. But they both come out of R and B. I mean, aren't they, they're all three of them in the same. But you couldn't listen. I used to have to listen to my shit under the pillow. We had these little transistor radios, yeah. and I used to put it under the pillow and go upstairs and listen. But the other thing, and R and B stations would be off at twelve o'clock. That was it. Right. On Sundays they go off at six yeah. to the next day. But that's where you heard your music. But not just your music. What was going on in the community? Right. Martin Luther Records. King is coming to have a, a rally. And say, yeah. That's how you found out everything. Wow. The radio was everything. Yeah. Wow. The, the thought that it stopped at 6 and midnight is kind of out. On Sundays. That's when yeah. you pull those records. That's when you pull that yeah, vinyl Sunday, out. Sundays yeah. was it. At right. 6 o'clock, that was it. Wow. And then what? That would switch over to... To talk. You have some yeah. talk. Even when you know more music. I know that when my father was on HAT, on the, he was on the... I believe he was on the... Um, AM, which was actually yeah. what people listened to, right. and on the FM, at the same time was Ed Bradley. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. they were like, you know, and Brad and Ed Bradley did, you know, news, and you know, I obviously yeah. went on to sixty. We didn't listen to F- FM. Didn't come into play until the early seventies. Right. Wow, that's that's a trip. AM was what you had. Right. Yeah, he would. He he told me he would be on the air and just like make up the weather. Yeah. You would say it was snowing in the middle yeah, of yeah, yeah. Connecticut. Eight inches of snow, <laughs> bridge closing. In July. Yeah. He would just screw around all the time. All he wanted to do was play Cannonball and, like, you know, just play records that he loved, and that was it. Because and, and, you could do that. Yeah. No. I mean, you had Georgie Woods. That's yeah, the, the guy with the goods. The guy with the goods. Yeah. Georgie Woods would, play, would be the R&B guy. I mean, Kenny Gamble used yeah. to tell me these stories. Kenny and Leon. 
you could go to the, you, you you go to the the place. You can actually make your own little record yeah. in, in, in the uh, drugstore. Right, and and it, it like it could play maybe ten times. Right, because it, yeah. it's really an acetate. acetate. Yeah. So yeah, and they make their records and run on up to Georgie Woods. And they put that shit on right there. Wow. You can only play it a couple times, but if Georgie that's liked all, it, yeah. he played so nice. I'm gonna play it twice, you know. And, all that. and they, I mean, that's it. There was no sense. Well, you had payola. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It was that cats. It's not like it is now. You you didn't have program directors, right? And that's why you heard so much more. You know, the different types of music now. Yeah. You go up and up and down around the country. It's the same song. Yeah. yeah. And jazz radio. It's funny. So my friend. Uh, Darthan runs WBGO, you know, uh -huh. and, uh, Rasan's uh, widow. Right. And every time I talk to her, you you should do a jazz show. And They've you never know asked why? me. They've no, never asked me. No, I almost insist. I live 10 minutes from there. They've never yeah. asked me to do it. Well, here's show. the thing. I'd every, do it with you. I don't want to do it with you. Yeah, yeah, and maybe we should. That's no, it. I wouldn't do it. I don't, don't like the people. Here's and here's my reason. I like his wife. I don't like the rest. They do, they fuck, they full of shit. No, they she's stuff. great. But she's, she's great. you know what? She also has a job, and, you know, I right. get it. Every time I go there, I, I'm like, is this is this is this full of morticians? Yes. Mm. It's it's as if the music dead. is dead. No, there's zero joy, and then they play records. I've never heard of anybody like. I honestly believe there should be a show where all you play is Hank Mobley and Cat. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. And just like anything with Lewis Hayes and yeah. Sam. Yeah. I'm like, why why does jazz radio suck? It sucks. There's no joy in it whatsoever. Because. It is born and it is dying in a state of nostalgia at the same time. It, right. it, 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 it has made certain idiotic distinctions about what jazz is and what jazz isn't. Right. Anything with a, any, a hint of electronics is immediately... Oh, yeah. See, that's back to the Crouch debate, okay? Oh. Electronics versus acoustic. Right. They've chosen acoustic it's old, it's tired, but they nobody listens but to it. But here's the thing, even the way they choose the acoustic thing, you never hear an old Basie record. You never hear, you don't even hear the right acoustics, yeah. if you ask me. Yeah. So it's, while I completely agree with yeah. you that the, the, you know, there's a complete divide at the electronics yeah. thing, yeah. it's, you hear new bullshit acoustics, it's yeah. horrible. Right. And, then the, and then you hear the, you know, they'll go back and, that was, um, yeah. Know, I don't even need to enunciate. You just fall asleep. Yeah. It's mumbling. Well, what you said, Adam, about the joy, that's really that's really spot on. It's yeah. like that joy, that feel good. Like yeah. when you put on your music, your yeah. tune band, like you felt the way, like, oh, oh, every time you yeah. hear it. That's yeah. why so many artists have sampled this work. Yeah. Because yeah. that feeling, you feel something. Yeah, well, and now you listen, but you don't feel. No, that's, that's very true. But yeah, we should do a radio show. Yeah, I do. We'll do a radio show. Yeah, exclusive. This is yeah. the Adam Dorn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do. Darthon, we're going to actually. Here comes some ratings. Oh, <laughs> 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 that putrid <laughs> word. Yeah, yeah exactly. Listeners, try driving and joy. No, I would do it with you, man. But right. I, would, I don't. I know people over there, man. And I like her too. You know, I She's like her. But uh, I do it with you. That's two different things. That's you know, <laughs> motherfuckers over there. But, but let's touch on the crouch thing a little, because honestly, like. I just cracked me. I mean, honestly, I don't even want to touch on any of it. I want to. It's funny. I, I, I forgot that I had met you when I saw that. Right. And I watched it. And honestly, and I hope you take this the right way. I just laughed a lot. <laughs> it just was. It almost. I just felt like I was just literally like, 
I just kept praying. I'm like, oh, please push further. Push just a little more. Just, you know, like, how was he after that? Did he know that funny you he had his ass handed to him three it's, times? It's funny, it's funny you ask. Uh, Warrington Hudderman, who was the moderator, right. rode up and back with him. I rode up by myself with my son and my pops. Yeah. And um, Warrington called me that night. It was late that night. Yeah. And he said, I just want to call you, man. He said, I just had one of the most phenomenal experiences I've ever had in my life. He said... Stanley Crouch didn't say a word. Yeah. From Connecticut. Yeah. To me dropping off in the south, he said not one. I believe word. It. He was so fucking stunned. Yeah. And what it was. See, I'm a boxer. You know, I box. So. Yeah. Well, you know, I used to have a box. <laughs> right, right. But you can think yeah, like yeah, a yeah. boxer, so, and not. So box. my thing is, I go into all that. You know, with with all this. So I had already thought out everything I was going to do. I was going to make him throw his best punches. Yeah. And he only had one. Yeah. His hun his one punch was to demean Miles in terms of all all the peripheral shit right. that had nothing to do with the music. Right. You know, and uh and he's so used at walk at, at punching people that I had decided as soon as the bell rang, I was gonna walk across the ring and punch him in his motherfucking mouth. Right. And have him stumbling the rest of the night. Right. And that's all that happened. I mean, it, it got so bad that I I I actually left. One of the questions and answers, a young, a young white kid got and said, Stanley, uh, you say Miles has had no influence. And I hear a lot of influences coming from the, a lot of the bands out of Europe. He said, I don't mean in 74, I mean now. Yeah. And then Stanley kind of sits up with his little arrogant shit. And he says, um, well, I'm neither aware or impressed. And you hear me say, you're neither aware? <laughs> I said, well, how can you be impressed if you're, you're not, not aware? aware. <laughs> <laughs> and the audience just cracks up. Yeah. And he said, uh, oh, yeah, I've heard some of those. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was just done. Yeah. Because once you take it out of the realm of comfort and, 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 and just low life, oh, he was a pimp, oh, he, he dressed his costumes. Okay, all right, now, motherfucker. You do that with the rest of them. Yeah. I played with him. I'm here. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I use the English language very well. Yeah. Let's talk about the work. Yeah. And then I play that little clip at the end. Right. I said we we switched time signatures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said you. I, that was great. Yeah. Now, now, nothing. Now what? Now what? Yeah. Yeah. No, he's completely. He'd never been smacked around like that. No. <laughs> and I've seen him twice since then. Absolutely great. What are you gonna say? Nothing. But I I almost wonder if it was a learning moment for him, and he was actually maybe the reason why he was quiet is because he was thinking about hey, you know what? May, maybe. No. He was you hurt. know. But you know what? This goes right back to the moment where you're, you know, you're saying with McCoy, where, you know, I, I think he's definitely someone that since he, when a boxer's never really been punched, when he gets punched, I think he starts thinking. It's a learning Yeah, it's a literal physical learning moment. But you know, I wonder because he's he is an extremely you know intelligent human being. Yeah. I mean, and you know, the one thing I felt a little. I loved hearing it as a music, musician, but I did wince. <clears throat> was the whole and I and I think you got you know he's a he was a drummer, mm -hmm. and I think that that was touched upon and that he maybe didn't really didn't do it, but decided to talk about it as opposed to really. That's what I, I know, Stanley. So you know this part. Yeah. Me and Stanley, Stanley went to college together. Oh, I did. Oh, I didn't. I, I don't. Know. I went out to L.A. from Philly, 
I went to Pasadena City College. Yeah, he man. Went, That's he, where I live. Okay. Yeah. He went to he went to uh, uh, Los Angeles City College. Okay. We were back there at the same time. All right. Came back east at the same time. I knew I've known Stanley, but he he, he played with the Horace Tapscott. Tried to play with the Horace Tapscott band. Okay. Never never could make it. Right. So I knew him as a failed drummer. So Drank, he has a great sideman's name. Yes. Stanley Crouch sounded yeah. like he has something yeah. on a blue note right, record right, right, from '63. Right. It is a great name, but yeah, right. he didn't. Yeah, didn't that's do it. also he, you know he knew, and we had debated before. Yeah, not not the Miles thing, but no, back just in, in politics, politics. Yeah. yeah, so. Well, okay, and you know what? You know what? Totally just screeching halt on music. I want to touch on the political thing with you. Just obviously, child of the era that you grew up in, and and you know, not a lot of guys that got political as musicians stayed political. I think they, you know, they kind of were in a moment and, you know, whatever, and made a little right. money and that was that. Um, when when did you start really feeling, well, maybe your whole life? I mean, what, you know, obviously, you know, we live in a terrible country with horrible racial issues and you grew up in the absolutely most, you know, volatile, volatile <laughs> violent times. When did you start, you know, you said that you came back to, to help with the political campaign in Newark. When, when, when did you become really politically well, active and aware and motivated, I said? I, I, went, I mean, I really became politically activated when I went away to, went away to go to school. I was 17. In, in no, Pasadena? Or? Yeah, when I went really? to Pasadena. I joined, LA? I joined the US organization. Oh, of course. And, uh, you know, we were the first ones, uh, you know, yeah. and we were a black nationalist uh, cultural organization. And uh, when that fell apart, uh, Baraka asked me to come back to Newark, and that was 69, right. 70. And, um... Melody shows M2 May. No, I'm not. Oh. No, see, I don't want to ask you for a but this, this is, is like the early, this is like some old exclusive, like he's digging in, like go back. Okay, you know, you got... Awakening. Uh, I became very racially aware. Since I was How a kid, could you not? You grew up in Philly. <laughs> yeah, right. But I was a swimmer. Oh yeah, that's right. You I, told I me that. Yeah, a, a Vespa Boat Club. Yeah, yes. Uh, and, not something. And that yeah. was that was one of the the, the, the beginnings of me uh, having that focus and knowing that the difference. Sure. I, I mean, I remember a couple of incidents right away. I remember because you know you submit your times, nobody sees your face. Right. So, you know, I submitted my time. Uh, the first time it, was, it happened in Maryland, and I went to swim in this meet. You had to have a certain qualifying time. Sure, time was of course. Cool. So I walked in the pool, and everybody saw I was black. And you see all the officials running to the corner um, <laughs> to see if I can get in the pool. What? Oh, yeah. This really? Is, we're talking about 62. I mean, it was there. It was there. Another time, um, I was standing uh, by the gate, getting ready to go up to the starting block. And I felt these things on my back, and I turned around, and the guys was throwing fire on me. Really? So, oh yeah. So I, I, I mean, I, you know, I had yeah. those experiences. Wow. So by the time I went off to college, you know, uh, I, I, I was primed for it. And when I ran into Kerrang, and it was also doing that the, the, the Watts Revolt had just yeah. happened. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I'm going out there then. So I, I pretty much grew into it, and my balance of it. I never saw a difference between the cultural awareness and the political awareness, right. you know, coupled with the artistic, you know, uh, 
you know, I'll call it excellence. I mean, you always want to excel at what you're doing, but they were all one to me. I never separated them. Right. You know, uh, so. And why should you? No, why should I? Mean, I mean, it's, it's you. It's right. of right. you, so. But I don't have another person as a reference for myself. And you know what? Neither do I. That's kind of why, you know, I don't know, you know, listen, out of all my father's contemporaries and guys that got, you know, involved in political things, they just slowly kind of, yeah. you know, they either petered out or the other things yeah. got focused yeah, on, yeah, yeah. you know, and it's, it's, it's interesting because you, you've stayed in firmly entrenched yeah. in, in, in both in, worlds. In, but yeah. You know, I still travel, uh, you know, uh, with the, on these on, on political de political delegations, yeah. they go around the world. I've been with Minister Farrakhan. I've been in Sudan, Libya, um, yeah. just about everywhere. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, Cuba. Sure. You know, so uh, now, total aside, in Cuba, please tell me you checked out some crazy music shit. Man, baddest shit ever. Heard. It's the baddest shit. It's the baddest shit ever. Heard. Ever. Yeah. I went to a Santeria. Um, uh, That'll make you unretire. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. 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 I went to, yeah, they had a, a Santa Dia procession for us. And uh, I sat there for about three hours straight, you know, just listening to the drummers. Yeah. You know, and then all the other shit, you know. Uh, uh, interesting experience, too, or two, with my Mongol son. I uh, went to uh, oh. Chano Pozo's house. Oh. You know, which is a national shrine. Yeah, Chano Pozo was the first uh, 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 Cuban uh, percussionist to come over and uh, really combine with with, with jazz with with, with uh, Jizzy Gillespie. Yeah, um, so good. Uh, and the the other interesting thing was we had a meeting when we first got there, and so after the meeting we're leaving. So the vice president comes. Uh, He's walking behind me and he says, excuse me, excuse me. He said, you're, you're in Chile. I, I said, yes. He said, um, I understand you wrote the clothes so I can get to you. But it's, it's, look, <laughs> true on my mother, like I always say, on my mother's grave. He said, I understand you wrote the clothes yeah. so I can get to you. I said, yeah. yes. He said, we're burning black and Johnny halfway, you know, with, with the accent. Yeah. I said, yes, sir. And uh, yes, no, yes, yes, Mr. Vice President. And then he says, uh, this is one of my all-time favorite songs. He said, would you be kind enough to write uh, a song for uh, Fidel's birthday? We're having a, a big thing for his birthday. Would you, uh, could we commission you? I said, oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yes, comrade. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, but then Fidel got ill, so, yeah. so I was never able yeah. to have, but I had already started on it. But uh, well, those are the kind of things, man, you just get. That's a trip. You know, you know, uh, you know, man, my life has been very interesting, man. You know, musically. Um, well, we cool. <laughs> <laughs> From Fidel to yeah, 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 to, yeah. to not playing with Oscar Berger. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I, I guess we're through. Um, Anything and, else? And, yeah. 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 Because yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, mean, I know you guys are the edit, editing piece, but I so appreciate you, Adam, and having just the insights, have this conversation because yeah. you're a generation of removed like I am, and um, you know. And this a little older guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. No, no. But, 
but it's so important that we have the intergenerational dialogue. I was, you know, listening to you guys talk about hip hop and talk about, you know, the Black Power movement of the '60s and yeah. what are some of the gaps and what's been missing. And it's like this is what's missing: like yeah. real dialogue, real analysis, assessment of what worked, what didn't work, and how, what's the way forward. It's like you no. can't even get to that without a conversation. No, it, there's so um, much dissonance and just noise that keeps it from mm -hmm. happening. Yeah. And you know, the, the thing is, I, I'm not a huge hip hop fan because for me now, it's like hip hop is like just this gateway to having your own vodka and headphones. It's, it's <laughs> all, it's so yeah. not what it started as that it's, it's almost criminal in a way. It's, it's so... We forgot, we stopped skydiving. Oh, yeah. a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I, you know, one could argue that the skydiving stopped about two years into yeah. it. Yeah, it's just so. Yeah, I think it's it's always important to for people to understand where things come from and what they're actually yeah. about. But you know, come on, you know, people don't focus on that shit. <laughs> they focus on the vodka and the headphones. Too much. Yeah, but um, well, that was really nice, Mr. M. Jume. Thanks for joining us on the Compared to What podcast, man. Thank you so much. That yes, was so sir. great. Cool. Anytime. All right. Oh, I never hit record. <laughs> <laughs>